Psalm 133, great testimonies as usual, and uh, God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank God for it. I was thinking when Brother Dave was talking about me telling him just to thank God, my mind went back to, uh, praise God, Sister Kimberly, how old were you when you got the Holy Ghost? Seven or eight years old. I remember her being up here, just so sweet, just, oh, just so sensitive and so, just so beautiful. I love seeing a child just just sensitive heart like that. And I remember after a while, I just kind of leaned in and said, you believe God's going to give that to you, don't you? I said, uh-huh. And I said, well, just go ahead and get happy about it. And she did. She just lit up and started speaking in tongues. It's so awesome. You don't have to just beg. You can get excited about it. It's, it's a promise. You might as well just go ahead and believe God's giving it to you. Amen. Excited about that. Keep on praying for that Margaret Malhome service, 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon. And I do want to say two things as we turn to Psalm 133. Number one, I didn't tell my wife what I was preaching tonight. She just went ahead and, and obeyed God and testified like that on her own. And number two, I want to say I thank God for the great, great picnic that we had also. And uh, what I'm going to teach today, I, I just... I, 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 I was already going to say, I, I just felt so proud to be a part of this church. Yeah, just felt so excited for people uh, that were there to just be around you while we're just having fun and, and playing games and just good fellowship. And uh, it seems almost odd to go ahead and teach what I'm going to teach. But I'm going to talk about things that ruin good fellowship. Right. Not because I saw what you did there and I'm going to get you. But because I want to be on guard against things that uh, destroy what good things we have. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for how good you always are to us, God. We don't deserve a bit of it. But, Lord, we thank you that you've given us your very best, Lord. Thank you for this good fellowship, Lord. Thank you for, Lord, your word. I pray you help us to hear and, Lord, to be just vigilant to be, Lord God, diligent to, to keep ourselves where, where you can continue to work in our lives, God. Protect us, and Lord, work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. amen. Psalm 133, verse 1, there's a heading there, I guess, in most of our Bibles that says a song of degrees of David. That's one of these songs they sang on the way to church. Amen. They're getting their hearts and their minds and their spirits ready before they even walked in the door. I like people uh, getting a hold of that. Amen. Don't argue on the way to church. Worship God on the way to church. Amen. Hallelujah. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. <clears throat> Somebody say unity. unity. How good and how pleasant it is. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. That's just the ends of his garments. People get a big deal about it. I see Aaron wore a skirt. He had, brother, don't. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountain of Zion, listen, and there the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore. God bless you. You can be seated. So we're talking about that anointing oil. Amen. 
It is uh, something that was made specifically for a purpose of God. If some of you remember reading there in uh, the law of Moses, he gave the ingredients that would go into this oil. And each one of them very significant. We're not going to get into all that. But at the end of it, he said, don't you take that home and make that for your own cologne or perfume. It was a beautiful scent, but it was dedicated unto God. And it was something that was was a, a, a beautiful thing that represented just the anointing, the presence of God upon that, that, that high priest Aaron. Amen. And that anointing, the presence of God that we felt in this service tonight. I, I was sharing with a brother here recently, just that excitement, that thrill that I feel in the house of the Lord and, and how, what it means to me that, that it's something special to me that, you know, I, I don't mind, uh, yeah, I love having a good time, but there's something special about coming into the presence of God. There's something that is just so personal, and and, and I, I believe there's something that is just reserved unto just our worship and our praise unto God. We don't give that to the musicians. Amen. We don't give that to Hollywood. Amen. That special uh, anointing. I, I know there's a lot in modern churches that with the amplifiers and the lights and the smoke shows and all these things that try to to, to bring a feeling that is a cheap imitation of what really happens when you just yield to God. Yeah. Amen. And um, then the kind of, of experience that you may have in, in a, a setting of maybe like a concert or even a, a, a sporting event, it's just a cheap substitute, really, of the presence of, and the anointing of God. Here... That beautiful anointing oil is representative of our unity. Now, everybody, we come here so different, different backgrounds, different uh, life experiences, different stages in our growth. But something just beautiful can happen when we set all that aside and say we're all here for one purpose and one purpose alone. Amen. We're all here to honor God. We're not here to pick one another apart. We're, thank God for fellowship, but we're here really that together we can join just orchestrated beautifully to love God and lift Him up. It's just sad to me that so many miss that when they, uh, they've kind of, kind of come together in churches and, and make it almost like a sporting event. And then you kind of get on one team or the other, and that's not going to work in God's presence. But when we realize, to me, something beautiful that Jesus said in his uh, pattern for prayer. He said, said uh, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that can cover a lot of different things. But to me, it just seems like it comes into my mind when I pray, Lord, I want, I want to be living your will here on earth like it is in heaven. That, that, in, one great sense that means how I'm going to look at you and how I'm going to treat you. And when we can come into the presence of God with that purpose of just just forget our differences, forget any kind of pettiness and just love God and desire his his anointing to fall. There's something beautiful when we can do that together. 
there's something amazing that is just next level. Can I say it that way? When we get this thing moving together. Say, oh, I got something going on, me and God. You know, we got our own thing. Amen. And I've got something beautiful and great. Hey, maybe you do. I hope you do. But there's just something awesome when we get it together. And together, God honors that. There's something beautiful. That's why this is in our Bible. There's something beautiful about unity, about dwelling together. Just wait, we're not going to fuss. We're not going to argue about it. We're going to let God be their God. Amen. We're going to let the Holy Ghost do its work in our brothers and our sisters. And we're just going to focus on loving and serving God together. And it's like that anointing oil that just falls. Do you ever feel it yourself? I hear testimonies. I forget. I just heard somebody testify about it. Um, we're here recently about just a breakthrough with God. Maybe it was right there at the beginning. I don't remember quite the details of it, but I've heard it so many times. It just felt like like uh, the presence of God just came down upon, started on the head like warm water or something. Heard it like that oil just flowing down over them, feeling the peace of God, the love of God, the power of God. Just something beautiful can happen when you just yield to God. Forget about it all and just love God. And, and again, and when we do that together. Ecclesiastes, the 10th chapter. But there's a danger. It doesn't just come naturally. In fact, everything that's in us prior to coming to the house of God kind of works us toward a more selfish attitude, doesn't it? Now, I've been surprised. I, I have to say this. It kind of frustrates me. I, I would think sometimes people come to church and maybe they have a background that's from the military or maybe they have a business background and they know how companies work together. Yeah. Amen. Right. Maybe they have some kind of sports background and they know what it means to to be a team player. Right. Amen. But it seems like we come to the church and all of a sudden we're looking out for number one. Everybody, they can just go ahead and do what they have to do. I'm not worried about them. And I wonder where that all went. Yeah. Amen. Right. I mean, even if you have a family, yes. you might not have a very big team, but you understand how important unity is. Yeah, right. But it seems like sometimes when we're trying so hard that so much of the preaching is, come on, let's get this together. Right. Let's cheer on one another. Let's strengthen one another. Let the strong support strengthen the weak and all these things are like, oh, I hear you, but I'm, I, I've got, I've got so much of that in the world and church. I just want to, I just want to make it to heaven and I don't want to have to be responsible for anybody else, but read your Bible. Unity is, is throughout. Amen. Amen. But Ecclesiastes, the 10th chapter talks about dead flies We've read this so many times over the years, haven't we? Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary, that anointing, if you will, that's supposed to smell beautiful, that's supposed to fill the presence of God with that beautiful odor. But it says some dead flies. I guess the idea is if those that put together the recipe for something that's supposed to smell so good, don't leave, put the lid back on, that flies are going to be drawn to that. And if the fly gets in it and dies, well, it's going to stink. The flies are only just little things. Amen? But when you find out that 
there's some kind of rule that the manufacturer that they're basically allowed to have so many bug parts <laughs> and they're allowed to have so many legs or wings or something like that. You know, that doesn't doesn't comfort you to think, well, it's just a little. Right. But dead flies, it says, cause the ointment of the apothecary to send for the stinking savor. So doth a little folly, a little foolishness. Amen. Him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. It takes a lot to build up a good name. The Bible talks about the importance of a good name. You know, this idea, I don't care what anybody thinks about me, isn't godly. Amen. I know in certain situations when people are trying to tear you down, people are trying to influence you with peer pressure, that's when you have to say, it doesn't matter what you think about me. Amen. I'm going to live for God. But we are a light. We are a testimony to the world. I want my neighbors to be able to say that's a real Christian. Amen. I want my coworkers to say, hey, you might know a hypocrite, but that's not a hypocrite. Amen. I want my family to say, I know I've seen them under, under tough times. Amen. But that's a Christian. Amen. That's godliness right there. Amen. It matters to me. Not because of my reputation, but his reputation. Amen. I want, uh, I want people that know me to know that I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to rip somebody off when it's convenient for me. Amen. I want people to know I'm going to be faithful and loyal. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, somebody's asking me here, I think it was just today even, about, about uh, a man that doesn't provide for his own. I want those that, that I owe money to to know that I'm, I'm not a thief. Right. Amen. Amen. If I promise somebody a payment every month and I don't, then I'm a thief. Amen. Amen. And I want them to know I'm going to be good for it. And if there's a problem with that, they're going to know way ahead of time. Hey, I've got a problem. I need to, I, I need to talk to you and work something out with you. Right. Amen. Because I understand this. So that idea of a reputation for wisdom and honor, it's difficult to build. It takes an effort to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to watch how I live and I'm not just going to be reckless. And, and, and sadly, it's like I said, it's very ungodly. Oh, I don't care what they think about me. Well, maybe you should in some circumstances. Maybe you should have a testimony that people know. There's somebody who prays. There's somebody who's faithful. There's somebody who's real. Amen. That is valuable. The Bible says a good name is, is rather to be desired than riches. Your reputation that, that you carry, that somebody knows that they can count on you. That when you say it, you don't have to make a big deal. Oh, I, I, I swear to God, I swear to heaven, I'm telling you the truth. Why do you have to do that? Because usually you don't. Tell the truth. Jesus said, let your yea be yea. Let your nay be nay. Let people know when you say yes, it's yes. When you say no, it's no. Because you represent heaven. Because you're representing to them something that's real in the midst of a generation where there's not a lot of good representation of Jesus. So the Bible says 
just like dead flies, so doth a little foolishness. Not talking about having a good time. Not talking about just uh, having fun, but talking about being foolish, not being wise. Just takes a little bit. Amen. You know, Romans, the 14th chapter, verse 16 says, let not then your good be evil spoken of. Though you're doing good that you know right, there just comes a time in, that we need to be praying and looking at ourselves and say, okay, God, I know what's right, I know what's good, but I want to make sure that Somehow I don't take the good and somehow it translates into something that is obnoxious. Something that is a negative for the kingdom. The devil quoted scripture. Amen. You can use convictions and use scripture in a way that is reckless and hurtful and damaging rather than helpful in ministering. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. Romans 14 is a chapter that is full of just how Christians ought to act around folks that are weak. Amen. That some of them just don't don't know as much as you do. Don't destroy them with your knowledge. Love them and nurture them. Help them to grow. Romans 12 Verse 13, I'll have to turn to this one. I'm going to give you a minute so you don't have to. uh, I want you to look at it. It is really in the midst of a list of just short little admonitions, things that we need to be aware of, that we need to be doing. And it says, Romans 12, 13 says, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Now, you'll see in the qualifications of leadership that this is this is something that is mentioned not only uh, by Paul to Timothy, but also to Titus, given to hospitality. That means that you're a friend. It really does. If you look at that, that word in the Greek, that it really means to be a friend to people. You're given over to that. I know sometimes... It talks about how living for God can make people uncomfortable, but it ought to be something within us to try our best to be a friend to people, not to purposely make people uncomfortable, not to be good at pushing people away, but uh, somebody that uh, is uh, mindful uh, of doing our best to say the right thing the best way possible. Amen. I, I understand there's a lot to that, but but praying, God, help me have wisdom in my words. Help me to be able to convey to people who may be otherwise uncomfortable because they don't know just all it entails of how you got where you are. But you are going to do your best to, to be welcoming to them, to give them the best chance possible for them to be saved given to hospitality. But there are some small things that can make fellowship very difficult. There's some small things. Some uh, I'm going to teach just for a little while about two nasty flies. Luke 18. Small things 
in good people that can make unity, fellowship much more difficult. Luke 18, verse 9, if you haven't, say amen. amen. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Does that sound like hospitality? Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a publican. So one is a religious leader and the other is a notable sinner. We already have bad taste in our mouth over the Pharisee for what we know about them. And this isn't going to help any. Says they went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. But see, we understand at that time, the Pharisee should have known better. And I've got to ask myself this. I'm not here pointing a finger at anybody. I've got the rest of my fingers pointing right back at me. That I have always got to say, okay, God, if there's anybody that is in danger of being more like the Pharisee, it's me. Amen. We can look at the world and, and, and talk about how worldly they are and the sinners, how sinful they are. And rebels, how rebellious they are. But, but we that are living for God have to be on guard against being like the Pharisees. And sometimes we can drift that way if we're not careful. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Now, Jesus did slip that in, didn't he? Because you're going to recognize what he's saying is, doesn't matter how lofty and how long this prayer is, it was not received by God. It was not honored. Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. He starts listing off all these sins that he's not committing. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing far off would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be careful. You might not be listening. You might look and see somebody who is obviously sinful. And you know. You see it. Amen? You know what sin is when you see it. I'm not saying you don't. But maybe there's a brokenness there. Maybe a brokenness that you haven't experienced for way too long. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Being critical. Being judgmental. Now, listen, I understand. You need to know the difference between right and wrong. And you're going to see a lot of wrong around you. And being a child of God doesn't justify wrong in you or anybody else. Amen. But our attitude towards those that are in the wrong needs to be right. Amen. Just because you can point out the wrong doesn't make you any more special to anybody. Seems like sometimes people just, I, I, I want to make sure you know I saw what they did. That, 
Most people did, but can you get more focused on being part of the solution, part of the help? Amen. The critical, the judgmental. Listen, I, I, I've preached this to you so many times, and I'm excited. I'm preaching with a, it's easy preaching because I don't feel like I have to, I'm stepping on anybody's toes. But, but we're going to check ourselves. Right. Amen. I want to check myself. Amen. Amen. The attitude of, uh, of judgmentalism is so dangerous. You know what it's like, especially when you're struggling. Feel like people are watching you and looking down on you. You know, let me say this. Sure, you can know when things are wrong, but if you sink into an attitude that is judgmental, that's unchristian. And it causes a stench. It makes fellowship, it makes unity so much more difficult. Let me say something here. Even sometimes, come on now. Even sometimes we can kind of put it inside, but we, we sink into this kind of habit of always seeing all the negative. And uh, you know what can happen? I'm not saying anything, but you know what? Your smile and your positive attitude, if there's a thin mask of judgmentalism underneath, people pick that up. Amen. That fake smile, that, that fake warmth that isn't warm at all. Right? There's an attitude. And it's easy. Listen, I know it's easy to slip in to almost a habit, a reflex. There's wrong. There's wrong. There's wrong. We can pick it out. We can get really good at it. And, and, you know, we try. I could, you know, I I was thinking a lot about it this week, just different things we do to be very specific in in our righteousness. The principles and how we practice living for God. Get down to the nitty gritty on living for God. There's just some things that I think that that maybe maybe it's just more comfortable for me to just stay as far away from the lava. Right. But uh, but I've got to be careful in that, that I don't start turning around and start picking people apart and stuff that I know is right. Rather than having my heart and my mind immediately going to there's somebody who is just like me. They need help. Maybe I maybe I didn't get as much help as I wish I had. So I'm going to be the help that they need. Because even if we're more critically critical in our attitude, but we keep it inward, it, it, it bleeds out. It really does. And usually what ends up happening is we're kind of a fake friend and then a gossipy, backbiting tail bearer later. Amen. And that really, really does put a stress. It really is one of those flies. And I use those words. You know, gossip, I don't believe, is a, is a King James Version uh, word, but backbiting, tail bearer. It, we know it's listed among some of the things that you definitely wouldn't do. And God certainly judges those folks, and God just puts that right into it. Because unity is something to be valued. Just. Just like you, you don't want to, uh, to have, you know, when you're trying to get something done, when you're trying to have a beautiful family working together, when you're trying to uh, maybe at your job trying to get things accomplished, if people are backbiting and, and tearing down and always looking for the wrong rather than helping one another, it, it's, uh, it's a mess. 
And it's just uh, one of those nasty flies that makes the ointments stink. Look what it says in 1 Peter 4. Here's a scripture that is tied in together with the idea of hospitality. But it is a scripture I think a lot of people kind of stumble over. Look what it says. 1 Peter 4, verse 8. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Something we all pray about, amen? Uh, something I, I, I find challenging, really. Lord, no matter what I'm doing, let me, let me have a heart of fervent charity, the love that, 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 that gives and serves and blesses. Amen? But look what it says. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Right. Let me read the next verse before I get back to that. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Right. That means you get the heart of hospitality. Yeah, right. Not, oh, I'll be their friend if I have to. <laughs> right? That's not, uh, that doesn't, that's the fly. <laughs> yeah. Charity shall cover a multitude of sins. You know what happens? Here, listen. Your best friends, your family that you're not always bickering with, um, you know, they have as many faults as anybody else. But you love them. You support them anyway. You're not picking them apart because of it. You're looking for their best. You're believing the best. And and you're praying for them. And and you get along with them in spite. You don't even notice a lot of those things because of love. That's what it means. Love's not just going to just give somebody the axe every time they stumble or fail or make a mistake. A lot of times when you love somebody, you you forbear a lot. You really do. Those people that are closest to you that you think they're just awesome, they stumble as much as anybody else. But you know what? We forgive in our friends what we just condemn in our enemies so often. And it's love that's going to just help us to say, you know what? Let let God deal with that. We're not covering sin, per se, of somebody who's practicing sin. We're just talking about people with faults and failures, and, 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 and we're praying together with one another. We're not hiding sins. That's not what the Scripture is about. It has no, nothing to do with its context at all. It's just recognizing that people are fallible. Realizing people have faults and things and we're not hiding that or not seeing things that need to be dealt with. But realizing the weakness in people doesn't have to destroy them or your relationship with them. Because it doesn't matter. Your, your, your husband, your wife, your best friend, your children, your parents. Got a multitude of faults. And love just covers that. Love just deals with it. But... Uh, don't allow yourself to get in an attitude of judgmentalism. First Corinthians one. Let's get on to that second nasty fly. First Corinthians one, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren. How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. The neat thing about that is really, if I look around, I can see amazing people all over this house. But generally, we weren't like that before we came to God. Isn't that right? right? Generally, when we were called, we were the mess. Amen. But God takes 
us and transforms our lives into something incredible. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Now wise people are looking at you and saying, wow, what happened? Wow, I want to know more about this. God chose the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The base things of the world which, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. What he's saying is, I know what I was before God got a hold of me. I've got nothing to brag about. Amen. I can't brag in church. I can get excited about what God's done for me and share it with you, but it's to God be the glory. No flesh can glory in his presence. I love hearing awesome things that have happened in your life. But that's different than hearing bragging. We have great testimony times, and, and, and I love it. I don't remember the last time. Well, you know, sometimes some people can come by and, but, and uh, maybe be a little different spirit. But we're not here bragging. On, we're bragging on God. Amen. And that's beautiful. Yeah. We need that. People need to hear that. Visitors need to hear that. But when it's, uh, oh, look at me, myself, and I, right. help us, Lord. Yes, no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him... Are ye in Christ Jesus who God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Our second fly is bragging. When we get to exalting ourselves, things start to stink again. Isn't that right? I, again, I love to have people we can share victories, we can share uh, uh, miracles, and, and share just uh, stories of how we've overcome. That is so appropriate, amen? But again, there's such a clear line, I believe, when we start feeling like everybody ought to notice me, and they, ought to, uh, uh, they all wanna, should want to be like me, amen? And we're pointing people to Jesus. Amen. We're not bragging is is such a, a unity killer. What do we talk about? Doesn't that go hand in hand with what we talked about Sunday about the, uh, the attitude of entitlement? How we don't deserve this. In fact, we're going to read a verse that we, we, uh, we read back then, 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4, just a few pages, I guess, from where we were. Uh, verse 6. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, and that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Isn't that good? Got nothing to be bragging about. Amen. And now we're all just... Just flesh and blood, you know, we're just redeemed sinners saved by his grace and we're not what we were and that God gets the glory for that. If it was up to me and, and, and in my strength, I have already proved that to myself over and over again. I'd just be, uh, 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 well, that's the beautiful song. Amazing grace saved a wretch, a wretch like me. Who maketh thee to differ from one, from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst 
receive it. Why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? You have, we've got nothing to brag about. God gave us this. God is the one who's done it. And, and when we get together in, in church, in worship, in, in, in testimony, in fellowship, whatever it is, we need to be able to get excited for one another. Build up one another. Not, not try to build ourselves up to be somebody. When you start looking to get, you know, Jesus himself, almighty God, it says in the book of Philippians, took on himself the form of a servant and, of, and became of no reputation. He, he just became somebody that, that was a servant, someone that would love and help and bless and heal. And you constantly hear him saying, go tell the priest, but don't publish it. Don't tell everybody. I don't want my fame to be spread abroad because of celebrity, but because of ministry. So when we understand that in ourselves, that when we, he'll exalt those that humble themselves, he'll bless you. Amen. Anybody get blessed because of God? He will bless you, but you got to humble yourself. But when you started exalting yourself, he self, he will abase you. Instead of bringing to the table these these nasty flies of judgmentalism and bragging. So easy, though, right? I mean, we got to keep beware. It's easy to to slip into to these carnal attitudes instead well let's turn to romans the 15th chapter just take a few minutes here and talk about what we should be focusing on romans 15 verse 1 we then now remember didn't we just quote out of romans 14 yes we did pastor Romans 14, we talked about let not your good be evil spoken of. I told you it was a context of having weak Christians within that don't know as much as we do. And we need to not cause them to stumble. So Romans 15 comes right after Romans 14. And he says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities or the weaknesses of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Somebody say edify. Edify. Tells us in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, we quoted so many times. And the gifts of God, we ought to excel under the edification of the church. Your gifts are made, are seen in heaven as important to the level they edify others. They build up others. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification, builds up, strengthen for even Christ. Here's the example for even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. Somebody's pointing their finger. Somebody's tearing down. Hey, I'm going to step in there. That's me. That's us. Not just them. Amen. That weakest link maybe to you, that's my brother, that's my sister. That matters to me. We ought to be edifying one another. Not judgmental or critical, not a braggart, but supporting one another. Encouraging one another, edifying one another. 
It really is something that sadly is, is missing in a lot of people that have been living for God for a long time. They say, I'm a, are you a mature Christian? Are you a strong Christian? This is part of the, well, the, the job requirements of a strong Christian. You're strong enough to, to carry a burden. Strong enough to help encourage somebody else. Strong enough to see somebody who's weak or hurting, not put them down, not kick them when they're down, not pick them apart. But be part of somebody who can say, you know what, they're going to need somebody. Too many people who have been, like Jesus, talked about his own wounds, wounded in the house of his friends. Too many times people have have been down and hurting. And uh, it's time they get edified. It's time they get built up. It's time that we focus on on the positive, not only just making sure those flies aren't in our ointment, but also that we support, that we encourage, that we edify every chance we get. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Like I said, it's exciting to preach something like this, to know that there's men and women here today that understand what I'm talking about, that That recognize their responsibility. Too many times people say, well, there's not enough unity and it just upsets me. That's so easy to say. It's another thing to be able to endeavor to keep the unity. It's another thing altogether to take responsibility for it, like the Bible says. To say, you know what, am I doing my part to edify? Am I doing my part to remove judgmentalism? To remove self-righteous bragging? And bring to the table encouragement. Barnabas was called the son of comfort, the son of consolation. It's a man that was able to say, listen, I believe this man named Saul of Tarsus had a real experience with God, and I'm willing to stick my neck out for him. I'm willing to put my reputation on the line because I believe what he's saying is real. I believe he's telling the truth. Churches need somebody like that. They need somebody who's willing to stick their neck out for somebody say I've done that and I've been hurt I know you have I understand that kind of pain but the church needs edify the church needs people to stand and encourage one another strengthen one another there's a lot in this world just coming against us a lot in this world that's negative but here we ought to be building one another up help us Lord come on let's find a place to pray
those that pray for me. testimonies and Lord your presence here right now help us Lord help us put it in us Lord your love your kindness your patience Lord help us Lord to encourage and strengthen one another Lord I pray you just bless each one keep us safe as we travel tonight just shine your light through us every day we love you we thank you Lord for all you've done in Jesus name we pray amen 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 God bless you Prayer meeting Saturday.